Welcome back. Donald Trump Jr. here. Thanks for joining me on Triggered with Don Jr. Second episode, really excited about what's going on so far. First episode did incredibly well, so thank you for all of your support. It means the world to me. Uh, love being able to do this. Love being able to speak the truth. Love being able to do it on a platform like Rumbled, totally uncensored. I'm super psyched about it. Episode two is going to be awesome. We have with us the Speaker of the House, Kevin McCarthy. Obviously, you saw over the last couple of weeks the craziness that went about. Uh, we're going to talk all about that, but we're also going to talk about, like, Kevin McCarthy 2.0. You saw the takedown the other day of the press. You see the moves that we're making. He's actually delivering on the promises we said he was going to do. A lot of people question that, and, man, I love getting these kind of results. So thank you, guys. You're going to love it. I'd like to, first and foremost, thank our sponsors in all of this. Uh, goldco.com. Uh, go check them out. Uh, diversify your portfolio, but most importantly, support companies that support your belief system. Support companies that are supporting guys like myself who are willing to take on the establishment, willing to get out there. So go to goldco.com forward slash Don Jr. That's an important part, okay? We want these guys to understand where the business is coming from so that they keep supporting guys who are willing to push it. So goldco.com forward slash Don Jr. That's D-O-N-J-R. Uh, thank them for sponsoring this kind of content, uh, freedom of speech. So I think you're going to love the interview. And also stick around, okay? Subscribe, like uh, on the Rumbles platform, but also follow me on their Locals platform, which is the subscription side of things where I'll be able to go on live Q&A after the interview. So you guys can go on there. You can click on it. You can ask me questions. I'm going to go back and forth for, you know, as long as the demand is there, we can answer your questions, whether it's about Kevin or, frankly, anything else. But uh, thank you very much to Speaker McCarthy for taking about 90 minutes out of his day. I mean, don't forget, he's the third in line to the presidency of the United States, the leader of the House of Representatives. He's a friend. Uh, I think we had a really good time. You're going to love this interview. Uh, so stick around. Ask questions live on Locals. Thanks a lot again, goldco.com forward slash Don Jr. for sponsoring the show, for having some faith in us, for not being afraid. Okay, number one, we must be unafraid for those who are trying to take out our beliefs, our values, uh, everything that we stand for as Americans. It's going to be awesome. I hope you guys love the interview, and I'll see you live right at the end. Good to have you. Well, thank you. I'm excited about you finally doing a podcast. Yeah, I, I, you know, it, it's been a long time coming. I guess I've been talking smack on every other platform. Finally, the guys at Rumble were like, hey, would you do something long form? I'm like, I don't know if I can do that because I'm used to just doing all the talking. So all the going questions. back and forth will be interesting. But. So now I'm going to judge you on how you do about asking questions instead of answering them. Well, you know, I wanted to actually sort of be just a conversation. Right? All right. We've known each other for a long time. So yes, we you know, have. I'll, I'll put that out there uh, for the guys. And... I was a supporter of everything that went on you over were? the last few weeks. Thank you. Not the easiest because, you, know, you know, I get to be called an establishment shill, which is the first <laughs> time for everything. But uh, talk a little bit about that. I mean, some really interesting stuff happened. But also, once you won, I think there's some people that are either pleasantly surprised or pleasantly disappointed, depending on which side <laughs> of the spectrum they're That's on. probably true. Well, hopefully it's the Democrats who are disappointed and the Republicans who are uh, well, surprised by it. We saw based McCarthy just last night. I mean, I thought... That question from the reporter about Schiff and Swalwell. Yeah. Uh, talk about that. You know what's interesting? Someone should do a study on what the, how the reporters ask me questions and the questions that they would ask Nancy Pelosi, the speaker. It's fundamentally different. So this reporter comes up, and I've been very clear for more than a year and a half that I would not have Swalwell and Schiff 
on the Intel Committee. And what's unique is it's different than any other committee. And this is why you could do it. Only the speaker has the okay on it. And I'm not playing like the Democrats. I'm not playing politics. But on the Intel Committee, it's national security. This is where the classified, this is where they only meet in the skiff. This is where they learn things that's happening around the world that nobody else learns. And we've watched what Adam Schiff did. He lied, right? When Devin Nunes put out his memo about the he he's a chair and said, no, Devin's wrong. The inspector general came out and said, no, you knew you were wrong and you said it. You've got John Radcliffe with the DNI, right? Director of National Intelligence. When we find the laptop of Hunter Biden, right before the election, there's no intel that says this is Russia collusion. He goes out as the chair of... Um, Intel said, oh, it's all made up. Oh, I, I saw it. I mean, I, I did. What did he do to you? I, I did nine hours in front of that committee. They knew it was nonsense. I mean, one of the greatest moments, perhaps, of restraint in my life was sitting like catty corner to Adam Schiff as he's calling me a traitor for nine hours. Like, that yeah. wasn't easy. I'll but, leave it at that. But like, even, even the, remember the whistleblower? And he said, oh, we have no idea this person came for us. Oh, no. They sure. met with him. They had it all planned. So, you know, look, Hakeem Jeffries, the minority leader, he sends me a letter and said, will you put him on? I understand him wanting to defend his members, but I've got to put the country first. Integrity matters, so he's not going on because he lied. And then Swalwell has a relationship with a Chinese this spy. To me. I can't even believe they advocate for this. Yeah. And this is what's interesting. The FBI comes to Congress once Pelosi puts um, Swalwell on intel. Why? Because they come and tell her, He's got a relationship with a Chinese spy. You can't have him here. So it wasn't just us worried about it. It was the FBI even. Well, but it's so obvious also. Now, I have a theory, obviously. The media trying to defend the notion of someone who could be compromised, right? Yeah. The FBI may say, well, he cooperated. Well, that doesn't mean the Chinese. The, the CCP does not have a file on this guy that they could leverage at any moment. Who knows? I mean, we've seen how he performs on national TV. Who knows what he does? Like, you know, behind the scenes, right? Well, they think about it. She met, at any time. She met him when he was a city councilman. She raised money for him. She put interns in his office. She knowingly, as a Chinese spy, and what's the first thing once they said that the FBI, did? she leaves the country. Of course she does. Yeah. But what's scary about it is watching the press, though, so go hard defending him being on, because there's no yes. real reason, right? You did, And you did a great job of this, which was not like, I'm not letting any Democrats on there. No. It was, there's 200 people to choose from. Why then? Exactly. And the answer, in my opinion, is because they would leak the shit out of anything that was going on in the intelligence committee. And there's a difference. And I know that because sitting there for nine hours, I, you know, they took my phones. Yeah. They took my lawyer's phones. We had no comms with the outside world. I get out from that day in the House Intelligence Committee being like, at least according to Schiff on TV, tried for treason, you know, oh, a crime punishable yeah. by death. Like just, you know, for me, <laughs> that's like an average Tuesday right now, right? But I get out at like 7 o'clock, 7.30 at night, and I open up Twitter, and I scroll back, you know, 12 hours ago at 9 a.m. during the first bathroom break, Adam Schiff, it, it wasn't Adam Schiff, but, you know, yeah. a source close to, I'm like, a source close to the intelligence committee, they would literally be leaking yeah. during bathroom breaks. You break. can't have that in the, but think about what we're missing here. The intel committee should be, why didn't we know about what would happen in Afghanistan, Iran, all these, all these things missed because they made it political. So what I'm doing is taking the politics out of it, putting it back to where it's supposed to be. I'm actually going to have the Republicans and Democrats who are on it take courses together on AI and quantum that they have, that they have created for the generals in our military. Because what they're supposed to be doing is protecting this nation. 
And if you want to play politics, I'm not doing what the Democrats did, like they removed Marjorie Greene for no reason, but they removed her for all committees. They could have other committees. They just can't get the security clearance. They don't have the integrity to be on intel. I saw the New York Times thing, I think, at the time, which was like, you know, Nancy Pelosi removes Jim Jordan because he's such a radical yada yada. And the headline about you removing people who are known leakers, people who lied to the American public, people who had relationships with Chinese spies, like, they can't believe you're doing this. Oh, like, yeah. It's, like a, it's, it's so shocking. But, you know, maybe speaking of that, let's talk about, you know, Jim Jordan, obviously. Yes. You know, someone who you, you've been in Congress with for a while, someone who probably didn't always have the greatest relationship, but during the last few weeks was actually one of your staunchest advocates. Yeah. Like, talk about that change. And like, by the way, I don't think anyone, you know, at least in the know, right? There's sort of, there's the Twitter no and social media no and influencer no, and then like actual DC no, and those two things are really different. But I think anyone in the actual no probably would have never been like Jim Jordan's gonna lead, uh, you know, the Senate or the House Judiciary Committee, which is gonna be a great spot for him. But, you know, talk about the evolution of that. You know, it's interesting, Jim and I came into Congress together and we were really close. And as we progressed, there was challenges. And what's interesting, four years ago, he ran against me for leader. And this is the interesting part. We never lost our friendship. And I didn't really feel that running against me is an open seat, running for leader, one different. And I won. It, it, I won overwhelmingly. Then we go in to do steering committee, right? Selection. And Jim hadn't even applied for oversight. I'm sitting in steering. I get up and leave the room. I don't tell anybody in the room. And I call Jim. He goes, what do, I go, what are you doing? He goes, I'm working out. I said, you need to get over here. He goes, why? I said, because you're the very best person to be a head of oversight. He goes, well, no, yeah, yeah, I didn't want I said, I don't care, Jim. I want to find the best people and put them on the bus. And it was the best. And in steering, they all said, what are you doing? I said, he's the very best person. And what happened was, it's kind of like the old team of rivals. We have only made the country stronger working together. And now we come around this way. He's chair of judiciary. I put him in charge of the weaponization select committee. We haven't had something like this in 1970. Who's best to go look after what the FBI and everybody else has been doing? Jim has been doing a lot. But the reason why he's in there nominated, we have worked hand in hand together. We, we know his strength and my strength, and together we create synergy. Yeah, and that's the interesting thing, again, the, the people sort of out of the know. They had their favorite, you know, soup. I'm like, if you thought that, you know, Kevin didn't do well on the first ballot, losing like 19 people, like, that guy's going to lose 80. <laughs> the, you know what I mean? Like, so everyone has their dream, and I, I, yeah. I think that's, you know, the inside baseball of D.C., it's sort of like business. Everyone wants 100%. It just doesn't work that way. You never yeah. get 100%. What we got to do is take the wins that we get and do it. And again, yeah. I think and you come back the next time. But, but the thing, too, is you want to find everybody has different talent. You want to get the very best person on the right seat on the bus, right? Jim will sit there and tell you, I don't want to be leader. I want to be the head of judiciary. This is where I want to cross-examine somebody. I want to go after it. And he's better at it than I am. That's the right place for him. Well, and there's a part of that job, what people don't understand even about the speaker job, like, the reason you and I know each other yeah. is because we've run into each other in like bumble <laughs> hell, like, you know, God knows where. How many nights a week or a year are you fundraising? Like just out in every the, single day. About. Much, right? and, like, and, you know, and I mean, but the thing is, in your district, no, no, we're country. everywhere. But the thing, too, is why we know each other so well. We may be somebody else, but we're calling one another. I need you to call this person, recruit them to write. We've got to find the best. And this is the interesting thing. In the last four years, you know, the Senate has only lost seats. The governor's lost seats for Republicans. Yeah. But the only place it won has been the House. And it's been our candidates. And you've been a big help with that. And we've won in New York, California, Oregon, on the border of Texas, and Tucson. 
And we, we've expanded the party. More women, more African-American Republicans at any time since the Reconstruction. More Hispanic Republicans. That's what this party is. We've become the working class party. And we've opened it up to new opportunities. But, you know, credit where it's due. I mean, you've shown up to those districts and done it. And there's other guys that, you know, they want to be Speaker of the House, but, you know, they, they want the title. They don't want the day yeah. job. Yeah. And what people don't understand is, like, so much of that day job is that. It is. It's the fundraising. It's every district. It's not being at home. It's not even being at your home away from home in D.C. No. And it sucks. And so, you know, I saw a lot of people, well, we want Jim Jordan. I go, I know Jim Jordan doesn't want that job. Yeah. Because I've had these conversations with Jim Jordan. It's like, that's his idea of hell. Now, he'll be a great person Oh, he's questioning. Gonna... I mean, he was in some of the things as, you know, on the Republican side when I was going through. You know, I did nine hours in front of House you know, Intel. Well, you I know, did 50 hours total. For... But you know what they did when they did impeachment? I literally moved Jim and put him on Intel because we needed that. Devin Nunes needed that extra help. Yeah, Devin and Nunes was, was right. the one guy they yeah. ridiculed, vilified, you know, and he was really he the guy was that the was first... right about everything. You know, so Devin and I have been friends long before we ever got elected. We don't live far apart from each other. And because we're both conservatives, when in the conservative movement, we were always buddies, right? And he comes to Congress before me. But he was the first person. Here he is in Intel, and I was sitting here. He would come and tell me, hey, this isn't right what they're saying. And he was the only one. When everybody else, you had other Republicans, oh, yeah. I'm really worried about what they're saying about President Trump. No, he said what they're doing. And they vilified him. They went after him. And, and I, I see that because I get it. I mean, they did it, you know, the same thing with Flynn and these things. They do it. And hey, even me, like I was in the crosshairs at the time, but I still had this notion of, no, America is what we've been told to believe it is. And unfortunately, it's not. I, I fight to make it so. But, you know, these guys would say, well, Flynn, must, he was a traitor. I was like, well, the FBI is saying it and the CIA yeah. is saying it. And it's written up in the New York Times. There's got to be something to it. We got to yeah, pull back. Where there's smoke, maybe, there must be some fire in to defend that and the reality is like same with death and it was like they were actually a hundred percent right but like we believe these institutions are they're bipartisan and they're totally above yes. reproach and it's all bs but everything they accused us of i was on how could you make this stuff up is because they were doing it yeah. i mean i look today at what happened at twitter i don't believe elon thought they were doing that much now he gets in the middle of twitter and he's just all he's doing is releasing the information, and now people are trying to vilify him. Well, but you know what's interesting with Twitter? Like, it, it was sort of amazing because it came back, and like, I've said, we have Truth Social, and it's been yeah. a great platform to say what you want. But Twitter, actually, I actually like being in that fight because I'm sort of adversarial, and that's what I do, and I've sort yeah. of made a reputation of it. But when, when he even started talking about the takeover, it's like they were burning the documents. My engagement went through the roof. The files went through. You know, the, yeah, you had you had no growth, and all of a sudden, I, I, no, no, I had no growth for years. I was getting, and they were like. You know, four years ago, I'd say, listen, there's, they're screwing with the algorithm. They're messing up. Well, how do you know? It's like, well, because yesterday I was getting 10,000 retweets, and today I'm getting three. Like, not 3,000, like three, single digit. And you knew it, and it was obvious. Then he took over, and for like two months, I was getting great growth and engagement. But it does seem like, and again, I don't know if he's maybe not as focused on it. Yeah. But that engagement and the engagement of a lot of other conservative accounts has gone back down to like pre-Elon levels. Yeah, we got to watch. We got to see that. I'll talk to him I mean, it, it's, yeah. it's an interesting, just because... It felt great to have a free speech platform, and we have like an actual competitor. And I stay on the platform because yeah. I want to engage. Well, I see the engagement. Ever seed one of these platforms? Yeah, you want to be. Able, well, when I talk to Devin over at the Truth, you can see the engagement is greater than any other platform that you have. Correct. It's just people are people are passionate about it. This is where they want to go. To yeah, campaign. and they may, they may have changed a policy, but the reality, the employees at Twitter are still going to be 99%. You see it yeah. in the donations. And so- And he's seen that. He, he's I, I hope they that. recognize that because all the guys that were actually 
was I even excited about what was going on? Like, hey, just give me a chance to compete on a level playing field. Yeah. I'll even take a little disadvantage because by, by nature of the following, I'm already at a disadvantage. But like that seems to have gone back down to almost worse. There's guys, Andy. Yeah. Like he'll tell you, like it's worse for him than pre-UR days, which is odd. We'll have to see because he wouldn't know. He must not know about that because he's really changed so much and be able to come out and attack. But what we find is what we're doing with this weaponization. This is a committee that people would call the church committee after yeah. a former city. Explain that, right? People don't so, understand. Like I heard no. church committee, I didn't even know what it was. So it, it sounds like religious right, but it's actually yeah, not no. at all. It, it, it's named after a senator back in the 70s. And what happened, we didn't have the intel committee back then. And the intel committee's responsibilities is to oversee all the FBI, the CIA, all these agencies, right? Before they were just running wild. So they create, they create this church That's committee. Back, by the way. Yeah, and they go back and they look, hey, these guys are doing all this stuff in other countries, everywhere else, and here, we, we gotta rein them in. And part of after they rein them in, they say, we need this committee. Well, now we've watched what happened again. We, you didn't fully believe that it was all happening. You know, when Devin would come tell me, I said, oh yeah, that's right, but maybe you're a little far. No, it's yeah. worse than what they told you. I was a victim of it. I don't want to use the word victims. I don't, I hate that mentality, but like I was a target of it. And I still was like, well, it can't be this bad. And yeah. it is. I mean, they just, they literally just arrested the FBI agent that was one of the leads of Russia, Russia, Russia hoax. Being paid by Russian for, oligarchs. For colluding with Russia. Like, yeah. I mean, you it, can't it, make it's this so up. typical of the, you know, the Saul Alinsky, you know, rules for radicals, like accuse them of doing all the things what you're doing. doing. And then we've seen it time and time again. We saw it with the sanctimony, you know, from Joe Biden with the classified documents. He would never do it, except he's got it all over his house, all over a house that Hunter rents, all over the Penn Center that's funded 54 million by China. You know, that's like, really con that's really concerning here, because the other thing that we just created, and this is the thing people have got to understand. In the first week, we had a very big bipartisan vote. We created a select committee on China. 146 Democrats right. voted with us. But when you think about what China's doing, why is China paying millions of dollars to the, to the to pencil? To Joe Biden's think tank. Okay, but what happens there? Remember what also happened there. When, when Joe Biden became president, the FBI was looking at China and Chinese in America. The president of Penn goes and tells, hey, you, you know, that's racist, you shouldn't do it. FBI stops doing it, right? Who becomes an ambassador? The president of Penn. Where did our secretary of state actually work? For the Penn, for the Biden Penn Center. How many people from there are actually working in the White House? Why would, I believe, I don't have the exact fact, but that university, and, and that Biden will say, oh, they didn't give it to me. No, they gave it to the university who gave it to him, right? Um, the most money the Chinese have given to any university in the process in this yeah, short time. Yeah, I mean, period. listen, the Chinese. Does that not influence you? They're, they're not stupid. Yeah. Like, you know, funding a Joe Biden think tank is sort of like, I mean, you know, seriously, like, you know, I, I imagine there's not a lot of thinking going on in anything. How long was Joe he Biden. out of office to raise that much money? Well, but now you have documents from the Senate yeah. that were classified. That's okay. Know, that is very, that is like, so different than anybody else in elected office with documents because if you're a member of Congress, I'm, I'm part of the Gang of Eight, you never are allowed to take a document out of the skip. So if you're not allowed to take the document out, the, the only one we've got old Berger who put it in his pockets and hid and got caught, you know, his pants or his yeah. shirt. So how did that come out yeah, well, as I a senator? With, with my testimony, they're like, well, if you want to review your testimony before we try to go word for word with it and throw you in jail for putting a comma in the wrong spot, I mean, I had to come back to the building. Yeah. Just to be able to, like, not, like, I couldn't get my own testimony without anything else just to even see it. So 
that he could have the documents from the Senate. And how many years ago was that? Yeah, the Penn Center didn't just magically appear the day he left the vice president. Where were the documents stored in between? But it's not even there. The other question that I think is so interesting, because they say, oh, well, the attorneys found it. Well, who told the attorneys to even go look there? Correct. Why 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 do they have access? How come the HRT, you know, the hostage rescue team doesn't exactly do search warrants, right? It feels a little different for Mar-a-Lago, which is why, again, the church committee or the weapon, I want to call it the weaponization of government because that's what it's been. But think of all these years, right? President Trump is so different, right? They knew it was there. They were negotiating. Your dad told me, they said, we already had a lock on it. They want another padlock. So he put another padlock on it. They knew where it was. They knew that it was secure. Guarded by Secret Service. Yeah, and then, yeah, he had secret surf every day. Yeah, no one could push a button. Nobody else is going in and out. And the big one, you know, that you seem to lose is that, you know, the president also has the ability to declassify those documents. He's the only one in the process. Now, they had a little thing. um, Obama did something for the vice president. But these are from the Senate and the others. But for him to say he had no regrets. Well, because, and this is, I think, something you'll probably even feel more of now in as the speaker, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, it's, it's... it's different. The atta- the attacks from the left of those in power versus the cover, you know. I mean, that is something, and I feel like it's it, you have to be of strong will to be yeah. able to put up with that. People have to say, "How do you deal with?" It? I've just gotten you. I got the Trump gene. I guess I'm lucky. Yeah. That it doesn't bother. Like when I'm making them mad, like I'm like, like I'm happy. Like not a lot of people have. That. How do you get through that when it's going to be day in and day out? You, you know, know? If you did the exact same thing, just with a different, you know, a D and an R. Reverse, oh, you get treated policy. differently. They'll they'll try to kill you. Oh, the press conference. I would have walked in. They would have applauded me. No, I'm, I'm actually <laughs> surprised. You handled it actually so well, and I'm I'm glad because like our people are seeing it. And you know whether it's yeah. the committees, the you know going after the eighty-seven thousand IRS agents. The very first week. That was first week. I mean, these are big things because yeah, they, they're not going. There's like five hundred billionaires in America. Yeah. That's not for billionaires. That's to look at your six hundred and one dollar Venmo payment. Exactly. Like. And yet, those are the people that are not looking at what's coming across the border and the, the billions there. And you know, where does it stop? Yeah, the fentanyl, the border. But you know, in the last month, we set a whole new record. But we also set a record for the people we're ca- catching on the terrorist watch list. You can add up all the people we caught during your father's administration. They beat it in one month. Right, so let's talk about the border because that's like, that's a big one, obviously. And yeah. people, it, it's huge for our side, but it's also... Literally, they're not doing anything about it. I mean, it's it's no, they're free welcoming. You're talking about terrorists. You have a human trafficking crisis. You have a sex trafficking crisis. You have a drug trafficking crisis. The fentanyl crisis has created, you know, every state's a border state. And yet, Secretary Mayorkas, oh, there's no problem. Like, do we impeach this guy? Because, I mean, it feels yeah. like a, just a dereliction of duty, it, what, what he's doing in that position. And, you know, Kamala, the borders are, you know, she'll show up within a thousand she, miles she's of the border. Like, but Mayorkas, to say that it's secure, no one believes that. Right. This is what I believe. After watching what they did with your father about impeachment, use it politically. I'll never use it in politically. That doesn't mean we won't use it. Not clear. So if I've already asked, the committee's already gone. We're going to investigate why is the border like that, which could lead to impeachment inquiry. But what people have to understand what's happening on this border, it's wide open like it's never been before. They tell you how many gotaways, 250,000. You're talking more than 4 million. Well, those are only the ones they count. Right. But fentanyl, 300 people will die today. That's the equivalent of an airliner crashing every day in America. And they're doing nothing about it. And it's coming from China through the border here. And what's happening is 
It's killing our very brightest, right? The number one killer of 18 to 45. Those are your most productive years. Those are the years when they serve in the military. Those are the years where they have the biggest future. To me, it actually feels, it's not like these are just drug dealers. It actually no. feels to me like this is a psyop type. This is how they're to doing it on purpose. Yes. I look at the Democrat policy. I look at the action on the border and I literally say like, it's as though the Chinese are in charge because I couldn't think of another way to more effectively destroy our republic than, yeah. than implementing and, Democrat policy. And it's today. destroying the generation that is the greatest strength in Europe. Yeah. The other thing that people don't quite realize is happening. It, every city is a border city now. Now, I'm from, I'm from California. I'm up north in Bakersfield. I go to the Central Valley. Just last week, we had a cartel come up and murder a family. Six in people. California. In California. You know what they shot? They shot a baby in the face. Cartel style. They're that everywhere. doesn't make the news. You know, I mean, you see that you saw a couple of shootings in California this week. Yeah. And like the second it wasn't, you know, a conservative white male with an AR-15, it's like it's as though like it didn't really happen. I mean, it may have happened, but like it's not really worth reporting on. I mean, that the cartels could be infiltrating the U.S., that we're, we're helpless to do it. They shoot a baby in the face and we don't it, have like I don't even hear about it. Like yeah. I do this a lot. Right. Imagine the average person who's consuming a couple minutes of news a day. They have no idea yeah. that it's even a problem. We don't have operational control of our own border. The cartels do. The cartels are now making more money. It's not just on drugs. It's moving the people. And do you think those people are all being treated well? I mean, 52 are dying in a in a container. And do they say anything about that? You've got women being raped as they're coming through. You've got these young children. I mean, this is an atrocity, but the policies of this administration are incentivizing this to continue on. This is what we're going to do different. We've just populated our committees. Uh, Mark Green is now Homeland Chair, and he's going to announce in the next couple of weeks, we're actually going to move our hearings from Washington to the border. And so the Democrats can no longer ignore it, right? And if you go down to these communities, they'll sit there and they'll tell you that our schools have been closed for 40 days. Why? Because there's a shootout by the cartels running through, right? These cities, if you sat back, they would have all Democrats elected. They're all switching parties because of what has happened and the atrocities that they're seeing and no one's standing up for them. But if you're in DC sitting behind a desk in here, there's no consequence, so you yes. have to act. And when the president went the first time in his more 40 years of being elected, they cleaned it all up so he didn't even see what was happening. Well, that was the, I mean, that, that was like the most DC thing ever. You know what I mean? It's the before and after. It's like, hey, there's no problem if we don't see it. The, the press will only show up then. They won't cover it otherwise. So you know, as you've formed the committees and I'm looking at the names. I, I saw a couple that were released yesterday. I'm like, good. Yeah. It's, it's not like, and we have plenty of guys. So I get, and I, I get it. I, I actually asked, you know, Matt Gates about this years ago. Like, yeah. Why don't some of these other guys fight more? <laughs> and and he, his answer to me was actually very simple, which is like, you know, hey, for a lot of these guys, this is the big leagues. You know, they were uh, they were guys that, you know, they were city council member getting unpaid for you. They, they, they fell into his seat because they had a similar name to the guy that served in Congress for 30 years. And like, they just want to stay there. Yeah. Like, it, when I see the guys that you put in these committees, it's like, yes, like, we're actually going to get something done. There, there is really, when we look across... Guys and women, because oh, wow. I'll yes. tell you, we just put on uh, the Democrats removed Marjorie Green. She was the only person that has never had a committee. So she's going to be on oversight. Jamie Comer's there. Got a lot of information. She's going to be on the select committee on COVID. I mean, think about this. The atrocity that we went through with COVID, the Democrats are in the majority and they never once had a hearing on where the, it originated. Wouldn't you want to know? Well, 
Well, I, I, yeah, I was, that was one of the things I got canceled for because I was like the first guy to be like, not maybe the first, but like one of the early guys with a following to be like, hey, like, do you ever think maybe it came from the lab in the town that the virus originated? Like, do you think yeah. maybe that's the most plausible answer? And of course it was. But that, that we could lie and that Fauci could get away. And then his wife's on the other side that's sort of doing the oversight. I'm like, there was no checks well, and balances. Well, think about, how, think about how they treated your father when he stopped the airlines coming to our country. I mean, what did China do? They first stopped their domestic flights, but kept their international flights to try to move it someplace else. And remember what all the Democrats did? They attacked your father for protecting it. Xenophobia. It, and I was, I was down there because everybody else was giving him advice not to do it. Yeah. And he was the one person said, no, I'm going to stand for this country first. And, so, and he was right. So uh, the committees are formed. You got great people on. Yes. But it's still D.C. Right? Yes. There's nothing bipartisan about it. It's nothing, you know, the, the agencies have been weaponized, whether that's the FBI. I mean, I think, you know, that it's obvious at this point, right? It, it, it's clear they've, they've gotten a hold of those institutions. How do we keep the ball moving forward? How do we actually, you know, we, we got two years and hopefully it's four or six or 12 yeah. or infinity based on the insanity of the other side right now. But like, how do you prevent them? from just running out the clock. We've seen them be so effective. At well, we know, we know they're gonna try this. We know where the president's at today with, he's in a much weaker spot. We've got a debt ceiling coming and he just doesn't wanna negotiate, even though it's $31 trillion yeah. is crazy. We have to be tenacious. And this is the one thing I'll say, if you learned anything from me in the speaker fight, I'll never give up. Yeah. I, I might not get it the first time, but I'm not going away. I will stay with, and I tell you, with the Jamie Comer, with the Jim Jordan, We've been doing our research. We've started this ahead of time sending the letters. They're gonna try everything they can and they're not gonna hand it to us. So we have to be smart. We have to have our right strategy. And the one thing we need the American public is to stay with us. And, and I think they do. I said this the other night and some people give you, I actually think for the first time in my, we're actually sort of winning on the issues. When you see the hills to die on for the, radical, yep. you know, the open border policies, the you know allowing three-year-olds to change their gender, men competing against women in sports, like, you know, that's their platform right now. Now, you know, again, there are there are moderate Democrats in America, but I don't know that there are any in D.C. And it's gone so insane. I actually think we're winning on those issues. Now, well, where I think we struggle is in elections because we also haven't played the game that they they do. I mean, we it's it's less these days, unfortunately, about the candidate or the issues yeah. than it is about how you're gaming the election system within each state, how they're doing ballot harvesting. You know, how do we fight that battle also? Because well, there's nothing worse than being like. I know we're winning on the issues because if I say something on like a Twitter, they're like, I, I can't believe it. I hate Don Jr. with a freaking passion. But like, yeah. he's actually right about this. It's like, yeah. if, like how do we, how do we well, reconcile? You that? don't just need integrity in the Intel committee. You need it in election integrity too. Now we've been successful in a number of states that have passed election laws. But think about this. We've won the last two cycles in California and California has the worst. Mm -hmm. I mean, you can harvest ballots. They send everybody a ballot. You know, there's a report that just came back. I got to look into it that there's 10 million ballots still missing from the last one. Minor yeah. How, how do you do this? Um, what you have to do, especially in those states, too, if those are the rules, you got to play by them. I, I agree with that. You know what yeah. I mean? I'm not at But like, you get better candidates. I feel like we're not playing by any. Like, we're just, yeah. we're, we're playing T ball while they're playing hardball. And even if well, we're winning on the issues, we're not getting the guys out. I will tell you, we, we've gotten much better. Look, look what we did in New York, right? I give a lot of credit to Lee Zeldin. He ran oh, a great campaign. Right. And it, it was about crime. The Democrats, they, they want to defund the police. This is what has happened to them. But we beat the DCCC chair, the head of the Democratic 
congressional campaign. That hasn't happened in 46 years. Mike Lawler is an amazing candidate, right? And this is, we have more than five members that are sitting in seats that Biden won by more than 10 points. We won in Oregon. You look at Juan, six commodity. So what you have to do in those places, you're going to have to overperform, but you've got to reach the people, and then you've got to have individuals making sure they're paying attention to the ballots. Well, so in the congressional seats, I can see how that can work. Yeah. You're, you're, there's just more. It's more a smaller, yeah. When you're talking about either statewide or it's, national races, that's, that's the problem. When, you when you're your going, can yeah. go to a door knock, I'm like, you know, knock on a door of someone who couldn't tell you who's even running. It's like, don't worry, we'll fill out your ballot. It'll yeah. be great. Well, that's why uh, with technology today, if someone does an absentee ballot like we have it, I, I collect them and then I follow them online for people, right? Yeah. You can follow your own ballot and make sure where it's at, has it been checked, where it's going. And I got a lot of people doing that. But we have a lot of good states who have changed some of this. I mean, first thing that we should have here in Congress to be able to pass, we should have voter ID. If you've got to have an ID to get on an airplane, why wouldn't you want to trust the greatest institution of voting for our republic than anything else? I don't Look, if, if I had an election and I lost, I want, to be, I want to understand that I trust. Okay, I lost fair and square. The socialists in Europe are like way ahead of this. And even yeah. they're like, yeah, it seems sort of obvious. And we're like, they do it everywhere. Not, yeah. 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 You've got to look at the voter rolls, too. Like in L.A., there was a study that there was more than a million people on the voters' rolls, more than actually old enough to register to vote there. Mm-hmm. And they never change them, right? So if you have a voter roll, and then like Gavin Newsom, he just sends everybody a ballot whether they request it or not. So I have people texting me, look, I live in this house, but I got four different families because they lived here before. Here's their ballots oh, just I, sitting I, here. It's 15, 16 ballots to their home. And it's yeah, like, you, oh, can, you, you can fill them. Again, hopefully they throw them out. Yeah. But like... We should clean those up. You should have to show an ID. Um, I just think from that, and I do believe the same day voter registration gives you a problem because a person go here and here and here. So why don't you just have the cutoff 30 days before? That's plenty enough time if you care about voting to be able to make that happen. And then what the Democrats are really doing, I think about this ranked system, that I'm not voting for one person, I'm one, two, three, four. So... Someone can get the most votes and not win. Yeah, it's sort of like Alaska, right? They feel like they, ah. they can pick and choose the way to do elections so they get the end yeah. result that they want. So if you even. come in third, you win. What? Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I got a lot of second votes. I got a lot of third votes. What, what does that mean? Okay, so speaking of votes, how, how have things gone with you know the 20 sort of holdouts? You yeah. know, I actually think, people will be shocked by this, but yeah. it's so gone. I people want to hear it. Like, it's yeah. gone very well. And, and really... With the Democrats, they'd never show that, but, but that's really democracy at its work. By the way, I loved it in, in the sense that I knew I had more faith in what you were going to do than a yeah. lot of people. But again, I knew that you were working with my team, not just weeks before, but months before to be like, hey, we're going to do these things and do it. I mean, you're the first speaker, I think, in my lifetime that wasn't just immediately pro-amnesty, <laughs> yeah. and, and like, which is sort of shocking for a conservative, right? And yeah. yet, that was the case. But, you know, so you're winning those guys over, but... Ha- What's the relationship with those guys now? And again, it's very good. People don't understand again the difference between sort of the social media fundraising. Like, yeah, okay, there's some out there. There's some out there wanting to do for the camera, but there's others. Uh, I'll tell you, like Chip Roy, he was there for policy questions. And like any relationship, if you have conflict and you work through it, you only have a stronger bond. Yeah, you know, the Bible tells us, you know, um, iron sharpens iron, right? And and it's better that we had that discussion now than later in this year. Now we're going to be more productive. Now we're more one unit. Now we're more united. Now we're more focused. Yeah. The Democrats, they don't know what's coming at them. Yeah, and I think that's what they always did well, which is you know, if they got 51% on an issue, they're all in and they do it and they take the next win yeah. and they take the next win. Democrat- we 99% and blow it. And Democrats like- just follow. 
They just yeah. thought, Nancy Pelosi says one thing. But this is what is going to happen here. It's great that you're here in the Capitol, the People's House, because once you know it's different, people can now actually come in here. Yeah. People, people don't realize the public wasn't invited here. Well, that's, we open back up. Also, they, one of the first orders of business was removing the magnetometers. Not at the main entrance, but like to get on the floor. Yeah, like, for members it, of Congress. What does it say about like the Democrats? You don't trust they, they don't other. trust the Republican counterparts to not like shoot up the floors of like I, I don't even understand that mentality but like how do you it's as a, a as a, a republic how do you deal with people well, that think how, of you that way i mean you're how are you going to work you, together you'll commit harm on them i, I understand you know yeah. words are violence you know, yeah. yada, 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 these days but like but that's that's their that was their mindset yeah the other thing that's going to happen this week for the first time in seven years a bill's going to come to the floor with an open rule and so what does that mean it means any member can offer an amendment you, you think Mr. Smith goes to Washington, that always happens. No, for seven years, it's never happened here. This is the change that we've been able to make as we went through all this. So it doesn't matter where your member of Congress is from. Maybe they're just on one committee. You're go your voice is going to be heard. Maybe the bill didn't go through your committee, but now they're going to have an opportunity to put an amendment to it, to, to have your voice yeah, have a say. Watching even during the fight. And again, I, I knew more, so I was like, some of it, I was like, yeah. okay, the theatrics, it's getting a little bit old, but like, Watch it. It's it's a disaster that there's actually debate on the floors of God. I'm like, I don't know. Like, is that like it's healthy? You know, because the media and and the left and honestly, even some of the weaker, you know, they just want to like rubber stamp the DNC talking points. That becomes law. There is no debate. The people aren't actually represented, uh, and, and that's what's sort of unique and what I like. Again, it's only it's been three weeks, but you know, everyone campaigns with, you know, the same old talking points. This is what you're going to exactly. get. And no one actually acts on it. Good. Trump was unique in that. Yeah. You know, most you're, people, you're doing the same. most people would have probably never paid attention to the vote. And once it started going one, two, three, we were getting viewership C-SPAN we never had before, right? Yeah. Look, no one has had to go through this for um, like 150 years, but we have a small margin. No one's ever won the speakership in the last 70 years with such a small margin too. So that job's an important job. So it shouldn't be easy to win either. Right. So and you went through it. You know, you, similar sort of situation in like, I guess it was 15. Yeah. Right? Now, I wish you wouldn't have dropped out then because it gave us Paul Ryan, which was probably, <laughs> no, no, I, I, oh, listen, I, yeah. hey, like this is why we didn't get the wall in, you know, in yeah. the first two years of Trump and stuff like that. I mean, the guys that were too afraid to actually buck that system, we end up with that because of it. But like, talk about that, you know, the mentality of that, you know, I guess you dropped out after a couple of rounds. And, well, what, and, ha and what it, happened in 15? But what was the difference between 15 and now? What did you learn from 15 that you applied? Well, having 15 made me stronger this time. Because in 15, I was just the majority leader. And then uh, the Pope comes and Boehner announces he's going to leave right in the middle, right? And so it became chaotic. We were going through and people said they need something else. And I just thought, okay, well, the conference is at a different place, right? I said something wrong in, in, a, in, a, in an interview like that's never happened before. But that is the wrong time, wrong place. So I thought, all right, this is giving conference a problem. I'll step back for the good of the conference. Um, and then I become leader. You know, for, four, for two election cycles, all we've done is win, right? Um, I had everybody two years prior vote for me. We put out the commitment to America. So in my view was, listen, we were in the majority and someone's just going to hand it to me. I was in the minority and we just won the majority. So I knew what we needed to do. I had built the team. So I thought I'm best prepared to be able to serve and you all know it. And then you have the vote right after the election. I won 91% of the conference. So I just think 
from that standpoint too, just like when your father ran and won the, won the primary, those never Trumpers decided not, no, he's our nominee, you get in line. So the, from that same standpoint, it only make, made me stronger. And if you're gonna make me battle for it, I'm gonna battle for it because my father always told me, it's not how you start, it's how you finish. Yeah. And that's the part where, yeah, I like what I'm hearing from people out there that doubted me. I mean, I see on Twitter. Oh man, after watching that thing last night, I was gonna yeah. fit you for like a Viking helmet. Like, you know, we, we, can, we can get you like, you know, maybe you wear it to the State of the Union. That's gonna be coming up pretty soon. I mean, yeah. if Nancy Pelosi can rip up the State of the oh, Union, yeah. you should be able to wear a Viking helmet, Kevin. Yeah. But the, the one thing I, I would say there is, I am prepared better because you've gone through the fire. And I know what the Democrats will do to me. I know what they'll say about me. I don't care anymore. It's kind of like Winston Churchill. I, I don't care what history is going to write because it's my intention to write it. I think that's the biggest thing, you know, I learned in a lot of this when people are like, how do you, once you stop caring what they think you of you. You can't learn it unless you go through it. You, you, and you have to do it. And, and again, not everyone has, it's not easy, right? Not everyone has that capability to just stop caring. You, you read about it every day. I mean, I have people that are close to me like every day. Oh my God, are you okay? I'm like, I don't even know what you're talking about. Yeah, I don't even, you like, don't read them. They're like, oh, there's an investigation. I'm like. Oh, like, that's just course, Tuesday. Of course I knew, but like I didn't even think of it. Like it, like it didn't change anything in my day at this point. But I, you know, again, I, I guess that also probably takes a. But you also demeanor. you also know who you are, and you know your own truth. So when they make these lies up about you, you just laugh. And in my view, I look like this. Those people who know me know what the truth is. Those people who want to believe something just on there. I've just watched what this media has done. Yeah. Forget it. I'm going to fight for the American public. I'm going to sit and do what I believe is right. And at the end of the day, somebody else can judge me then. Yeah, and I think when you do that, they'll actually fight for you. Yes. And, and I'm, I'm seeing that in this last, you know, even the sort of the shift in sort of the mentality. Again, you know, and, and I'm, I'm more close to the MAGA base, but, you know, you wouldn't know this based on D.C. newspapers, but that's still probably like 90% of Republicans at this yep. point, right? So, you know, they're seeing that and like, oh, wow, you know, this is Kevin 2.0. Like, holy crap, I didn't expect <laughs> that. How did I know that? Like, but, you know, again, I think... If you do it right, you can actually be rewarded by those people. And yet, if yeah. you looked at the DC press, it's as though, so you know, separating yeah. those two things, the real versus the fake. You cannot sit back and read the New York Times, the Washington Post, everything else. I mean, they're never gonna give you a break. I don't care what they say about me. I, who, who I read is go out to the American public each and every day. You listen to them. So what made you get into this in the first place? You, right? You're, you're, you're you know, this guy I, from California. That, yeah. That's a cool story. You like won the lottery and like yeah. you're speaker look, of the house. Like, look, I'm from Bakersfield, California. I'm Irish and Italian. Uh, my father was a firefighter. He moved furniture in days off. I'm the youngest in family. We didn't have wealth, right? And so when I got out of high school. Mine's um, a similar story, Kevin. <laughs> yeah. Uh, my family didn't have wealth. I didn't have the academics. I didn't have the athletics to get a scholarship. I went to junior college, which was a great school. But while I'm going there, I meet this guy that owns a liquor store but has a car dealer's license. I'll let you figure out how I met him. But one day I say, I'll give you a hundred bucks if you take me to LA, because the LA has these car auctions. You gotta be a dealer to get in there. And I, Bakersfield's two hours away. So I start going down there and I start flipping cars to pay my way through college. I find out later it's illegal, but I don't know why yeah. I'm doing it. I've been an entrepreneur, right? By the way, just, just so you understand, we may have to cut this out. <laughs> <laughs> Nancy Pelosi is going to try to figure out how to impeach yeah, you do. for doing something. Exactly. Like 17, exactly. So, so when, you go, when you go to community college, what you do on the weekends, you go visit your buddies away at school. My best friend was a running back for Stanford. I grew up to Stanford. I had some buddies at USC. I had some buddies at San Diego State. So this weekend, I was going to go to San Diego State. So I go pick up my friend. We go to the grocery store to cash a check so I have some money the day before the lottery starts in California. So as I'm cashing the check, it's my first time, I buy a lottery ticket and I won the lottery. 
Now, it's before there were millions. The most yeah. you could win was $5,000. But put yourself in mind, I think it's like, is it 1985? I'm 20 years old, it's Friday night, I just won $5,000, and I end up 10 minutes from Tijuana for the weekend, right? <laughs> so I come back, I take my folks to dinner, um, I give my brother and sister each other box. I take the majority of the rest of the money, I put it in one stock. Because one thing you learn, I'm a risk taker. I make 30% of my money in six weeks. So the end of the semester comes, I take my money out of the market, I refinance some of my cars, and I go and I try to buy a franchise, but no one will sell me one because I'm 20 years old. So just like in the speaker's race, I never give up. So I go and I open a deli. My cousin had a yogurt shop, he'd rented this place for, so I sublet this place. And there's three lessons I learned in my business. I was the first to work, last to leave, last to be paid. But you know what? I had it for almost two years and I come pretty successful. I now have enough money that I could pay my whole way through college as long as I go to Cal State. And nobody in my family had finished a four-year degree yet. So I sell my business, I'm going to college. I open up the local newspaper and the local congressman you know, says, become an intern in Washington, D.C. I thought, well, he'd be lucky to have me. So I apply and you know what he does? He turns me down. So you know what the end of the story is? I'm now elected to the seat I couldn't get an internship for and now I'm the 55th Speaker of the House. Only in America can that happen. That's amazing. You don't give up. And you know what? What taught me each time, if there was an obstacle, don't quit because it's an obstacle. Find a way around it. That's what this country embeds in you and rewards you for doing. Yeah, and I feel like that's also something that's missing in so much of Congress where people are just, they've just been, they've never actually had that hustle. Now I get it. Yeah. I, I understand where I come from in my background. I, I get it. But like my father made sure I worked minimum wage jobs and I, you know, I could oh, put up yeah. sheetrock and I could drive a D10 Caterpillar. And like, you know, I also work for tips, which is something I think that's really important that everyone, should, everyone should understand uh, you know, that aspect of things. But, you know, in D.C., I feel like so much of that is lacking. Like no one's ever had to make payroll. No one's you know, signed the front of a check as opposed to the back. Like, so it, it's sort of unique. And again, you yeah. almost come to expect that to not exist uh, in, in these offices. So. I know. But if you spend a little time with our conference, you will find there's many stories just like that. I mean, there's stories of Juan Siscomani, who immigrates when he's 11 years old. He, he, he wins his primary, he calls me almost in tears because he's two blocks away from the house, he mowed the lawn and washed the car with his father to earn extra money. His father drove the bus, and now he's a U.S. congressman. Morgan Luttrell, a Navy SEAL for 14 years, right? Risking his life all the time. Or Mike Garcia, right, who flew F-18s, who runs in a seat in L.A., that Biden carries by 15 points. I mean, people thought no Republican could win, but no, he wins it time and again because it's just Lori Chavez Dreamer in Oregon, right? I mean, there's so many stories. Jen Kiggins in Virginia, who was a helicopter pilot, her husband was an F-18 pilot, started having children. She becomes a nurse practitioner. None of them had it easy, but that's why they're successful here. No, it's interesting. I wish, yeah, I guess we got to highlight those stories more because it feels like every yeah. story on the other side if it's even remotely unique, and frankly, oh. most of them aren't. I, wa I yeah. watch some of them now, and they, they had a trust fund, and they hadn't had another job, but they got appointed somewhere. But, you know, look, Jim Jordan. Yeah, it's amazing. This guy, what was it, 142 and one or something in his wrestling? But he takes that same mentality now. So when people say, oh, is he going to get everything? Just wait. Yeah, it may I, take I, him I a while, but he, he'll find it. I, I had a buddy that wrestled at Ohio State, <laughs> and, and, and I was like, well, how good was he? He was like, when He's he was all coach American. In retirement, he'd beat the the heavyweights that were current. Uh, like you don't mess with, you know. And so when watching them, 
even the left tried to do their smear tactics. I was like, you were there at, at that time. He's like, oh, unbelievable. It's literally like the dumbest. It, there's, like, there's nothing to it, but it, it didn't stop them from trying to run with it, which is. Well, you watch. Now, we have a lot of new Republicans you're going to find that are committee chairs. The Democrats are already bragging that they've raised millions of dollars to go after us yeah. and vilify us, right? Mm -hmm. Because they want to demonize us. Because why? They want to protect that Washington is not held accountable. That's their whole reason. Why are so, they afraid? What do they have to hide? Let, let's talk about, I mean, the Pentagon loses, what was it, $220 billion? Like, yeah. You know, and now we're, we're getting into a budget time and we're talking about some of those things. So I saw, you know, I think my father's right on this one. I'd love to hear your thoughts on it, but sort of the Republicans now clamor, we must get rid of Medicare and Social Security. I'm like, wait a minute. No. So the one entitlement that people actually pay into for their entire lives, A, you crush your own people. I'm like, you know, the Democrats are really good at crushing our people to give free stuff to their people. Mm -hmm. Like, we're crushing our own people who actually funded these things for their yeah. entire lives. Like, no. don't get me wrong. There's we plenty won't, of we won't touch Medicare we or Social of. Security. No, listen, they just made, crafted an omnibus that I opposed. Two senators wrote who are no longer in office. They jammed us at Christmas for $1.7 trillion and told us we had to vote for it. They, ha they haven't even, the whole time Schumer's been leader has never written a budget. And now the president sits back and says, well, you need to just lift the debt limit and just do it with that. Well, no. If, if you have a child and they're charging up the credit card, you don't just keep raising the limit. You, you look at where you're spending. Every household has to do this. Yeah. So I'm simply saying, look, let's be responsible, let's be reasonable, let's be sensible, but let's sit down and you're gonna tell me out of these trillions of dollars, because this is what has happened. When the Democrats took over, just those four years, their discretionary spending has gone up 30%, $400 billion. You're going to tell me there's no waste out there? Well, I read there. I there's mean, no efficiency. They, they just print a trillion dollars. I mean, do they have any concept of what that does? Well, that's, I mean, that's how we got inflation. Like, what if they I'm do. the guy, like, again, if I'm the guy that's a little upset when I'm filling up my tank or when I go to buy eggs, like, if it bothers me, it probably doesn't change much my day to day. Imagine what it's doing to a real family, and Can, they don't understand that concept or don't even think about it, no. which is... Which is scary. With the price of gas, who's it, who's it hurting? The working class. It has to drive to get to their jobs. The eggs. Eggs are unbelievable, the price today. But it doesn't stop us from sending you know, billions of dollars to countries that hate our guts. Uh, they, They're sending wait, millions just... to Tunisia for their ability for more tourism. Really? We're borrowing this money from China to send it someplace else? Well, that's the other. I mean, we actually give aid to China, who we borrow from and <laughs> owns and steals from us and costs us probably trillions in IP that they're stealing. on a day. Like, But see, this is what I love when your father came into power. They had never had somebody in the office of the president that had a business mind. Yeah. I remember they're sitting there and, you know, Korea saying, they, oh, we need these new um, missiles or Saudi Arabia to defend. He goes, okay, but you got to pay for them. What? What? We got to pay for him? We thought the American taxpayer. Well, no, 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 no. Some of these conversations with him, and like he's like, "Well, have we ever asked for like for them?" No one ever thought. And like, no, we never thought to do it. So ask. And they're like, "Okay, we'll pay for it." And I'm like, "Wait a minute, like that that just happened? Like they didn't even they didn't I, even think about it?" And I remember we were up at Camp David. We're having a meeting in the Situation Room. Your father gets up to use the restroom, and so one of the generals there, we're having a discussion. He goes, "He's not in the room, so I have to ask." Why do we do it this way? You know, no one had ever done that. And the uniqueness too is I read this article like Boeing's really upset because they're losing all this money on the new Air Force One. Why? Because they didn't negotiate with President Trump. Good. You know who wins? The American taxpayer. Well, that's why I, I literally, I think I read something this morning just, you know, scrolling through, you know, truth or something. Putin is now negotiating with the Taliban 
to, to buy the equipment that we just left. left. The Taliban. Now, again, people argue about what the number was. I've read up to 86 billion. 86 billion is not an insignificant number. And we're like, eh. it, I did the math. It was like $275 per man, woman, and child in America. Like, do we just gave it to they the government? Have... Now they're selling it to Putin, who's going to use it yeah. against Ukraine, who, you know, we're also funding a lot of it. Yeah. I'd love to sort of see when, you know, we're at like 130 in that one. And I understand some of the nuance of it, but like, is that always just a blank well, check, especially when we're leaving no blank check. to the Russians? Where's, where's our strategy? Why would you fund something without having a strategy of how you're going to win? That's how you lose wars. But the interesting thing is what they left behind in Afghanistan was more Black Hawk helicopters than Australia has. The majority of NATO has. And they just left it. And you had, this is another thing that we're going to investigate. What happened those last two months in Afghanistan? We should learn because that should never happen again. Right. But the Democrats would never look at it. Why? Because you know who made those decisions? President Biden made those instead of listening to his generals. Well, correct. And yet, if Trump oversaw a disaster like that, it, you know, people, the heads would roll. Uh, you know, what, yeah. what was scary about that one? I, I mean, I've done it sort of a lot in speaking. Is just watching, you know, the generals. We could not have seen it coming. I'm like, dude, you've been in charge for 20 years. Like, you couldn't see that coming. Like, yeah. like, how is that even possible? But the part that nobody talks about, Putin has been in power for four different presidents, for Bush, for Obama for Trump and for Biden. And he's invaded another country in three of those four presidents. The only time he did not invade another country, President Trump was in. Why? Result. Yes. I'd say balls, but where they the didn't want to challenge him. North Korea stopped testing missiles, but they go right back after that. So what's your favorite Trump story? There's so many. Okay, There's so many. Even I am still surprised at some of them. So, uh, you know what? The, the thing that people don't realize about him, and I'll, I'll t I want to tell you some personal stories. There's great stories. No one has a work ethic like him. I'd be in there late into the night, and he just keeps going. And then he works the phone later. The side people don't see about him, the times I would go with him to maybe there was a place that there was a fire or there was a shooting, people don't see how kind he is. I'll give you this example too. So I, I went to Mar-a-Lago during COVID and something happened, so nobody could be there. And he's sitting on the couch, coming in, he goes, Kevin, come in here. There's a young kid here. And th this is where this story gets to. He's not 18 yet, he has cancer, but they won't let him take the chemo that he needs. Right. He's gotta wait these months, yeah. And, he, and your father's signing everything. He says, you know what, you, you, you come back on me and all that. No one even knew. And, I had one of the 13 Gold Star families from Afghanistan. They come to see me and they're upset. They're in my office. I call your father. He's no longer president. He's playing golf. He's spending all the time with them, right? And they're saying, you know, the government wanted to put somewhere where we're paying ourselves and we went to the Trump Hotel. At the end, he goes, Kevin, wait, I want to talk to you a minute. He gets on the phone with me and this is what he says. I'm going to go call the manager. You tell them I'm picking up their tab. He didn't want anybody to know. He didn't, he didn't put it on truth. He didn't put a tweet. He told me privately, and he pays for it. And that's the thing no one sees about him. And we never would have got right to try if it wasn't for the president. He would call me every night. And what right to try does, if somebody is seriously sick and you've got a drug out there that they want to test forever, but they want to try it, let them try it. And what they've done is save lives by it. And it seems so obvious. And yes, like, it's common to, sense. To not move that paperwork. Like you're in your deathbed, like give it a shot. Yeah. Well, it's also, yeah, I mean, it's interesting that you say that story because I hear so many of those from people. And even as it's not, I've seen it, whether it's you know, people that have worked with us forever or whatever he's done that's unique. But you know, 
actually, I thought it was, you know, perhaps his greatest maybe political weakness was that he never wanted to show his empathetic side. He's like, no. I'm dealing with China. I'm dealing with yes. Russia. I'm dealing with Iran. They, I can't be soft. I'm like, you don't have to be soft with them, but like, no. show that side. But he, he still had that old school sort of Germanic, like whatever it was. Like, yeah, I don't we, know if we, we can't how he grew up. I'm like, he actually has so much more of that empathy that I think I you wish. needed for suburban women. But he was like, nope, we're on a world stage. We are literally, whether we're at war or just much closer to it with someone else, I'm never going to show weakness. And I was actually like, man, I wish you would do this. I wish, I wish people got to. So we were flying up. We're going to do, he's up for re-election. We're flying up to New Hampshire. He's going to do one of his rallies. As we're going, he gets word that two Americans were killed and their bodies were coming back to Dover. And so we go up the rally. He walks back to us. He goes, I'm cutting the rally short because I'm going to be there for that family. And so he did the rally. He cut it short. And most of the members stayed. I flew with him. And when you go back to Dover, so I walk in and there are young Marines, a very young mother or wife. She, she is in a place. She doesn't even believe her husband's yeah, dead. And he, he consults her. He goes out to the field. It is raining. You do not have an umbrella. He sits there as a respect for these men who lost their lives. Was he and checking his watch? Not like, once. Yeah. And you know what, though? The unique He's consoling the family. We go through all that. We get back on the plane, and he walks in. And this is where he won't ever show. I can see in his eyes, and he said, those men should not have to die in vain. Yeah. Why, why do we have? I mean, and this is the part that people don't see, and I wish they did. Yeah, I, I, I've literally tried, but again, you're, you're, you know, as a yeah, son, no, you see. But I, I've watched him too. The pride he has in his children, and this is what I'll say too. Look, raising a family is not easy. You know, yes. you're a great father, but they don't see him as a. They don't see him as a grandfather. I see your kids walk up, and it well, doesn't matter what. Yeah, but there. Like, wait, 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 but you know down. what? You think of your life, okay? He was successful. He comes from a successful life. You're successful. Not. I've watched all you kids. As brothers and sisters love one another, you're not into drugs, you don't have problems, you don't have laptops, you don't have these other things. According I mean, to the press, I'm really into drugs. Like every, time, <laughs> every time I speak, and you know, no one's ever called no. me low energy, but no. I, I get the But you know what? I've been around you guys privately. It is a real family that has real love for one another. And really, it stems of what he did as a father. I, I appreciate that. Yeah, no, it's a, I, I want him to show some of that. But, you know, again, you're not going to... Hey, there were we times both know. We also didn't want him tweeting, and people were like, "Have you ever thought about maybe asking him?" No, I never thought of that. I never thought of everybody would always say that. Like, you're on CNN in 20 minutes. Like, what are the talking points? It's like, I don't know, man. You're on your own. Just go, go figure it out. I would tell him this. I would say um, we'd be talking. Oh, that'd be a good tweet. I said, you know, my mom used to tell me in the summer, if you ate, you had to wait 30 minutes before you get in the pool. Why don't we wait 30 minutes on this tweet? <laughs> hey, never. No, then he'd look at me and goes, I wouldn't be sitting in the seat if I took it. By the way, and there's truth to that. That's the other thing that people got to understand. Like, you sometimes have to take you know, that good with it, but the success comes from He was a disruptor. That. And yeah. if he didn't disrupt, I mean, people will sit back and say, maybe something about his personality, but no one complains about his policies. Yeah. No, and, and that's what people are actually like, America was winning under a lot of those policies. I hope we can get that back. And again, I think, listen, the reality of the situation for you is like, I don't think we're going to be passing a lot of legislation, right? We don't have the Senate. We don't have the White House. But like, but we can get oversight. We can get oversight. But look what we've been able to do bipartisan. We've been able to do the China Select Committee, speak with one voice, make us stronger. But we also did the Strategic Petroleum Reserve, but you can't sell it to China. 
It, well, apparently the Republicans are trying to jack up your gas prices because <laughs> Joe Biden wanted to deplete it with no guarantee that they'll ever fill it up again. Like, yeah. How, how does wants this to, work? But you know what? We got enough Democrats to vote that we could override his veto. He wants to veto okay. this. Well, that, and that's a big one. If we can do that, I mean, honestly, as, as sort of diehard as I am on one side, I wouldn't mind seeing some, some of that. So maybe the last question, because it's about your predecessor, right? And yes. I guess Josh Hawley yesterday introduced like, the Pelosi Act about trading in Congress. Now, again, I'm fine with little guys if they have a stock portfolio or an IRA or something like that trading, but, you know, the DOJ is apparently investigating Google for something. And, you know, a couple of weeks ago, Nancy Pelosi sold $3 million worth of Google. Now, you know, a public servant for life that has $3 million just in Google alone. What do you think about that? Because I think the American people, and again, I don't think they care if you have an IRA, but it's when it's conveniently... Yeah. They magically bought the exact company right. that sells the exact drug. Yeah, well, or sold right before. Well, disaster. watch what Paul did with all when you had he invested calls and puts. Right, that's different than buying a stock. You think it's an option, and he did it by a time period, and it was all technology stock while they were negotiating whether bills were going to come yeah. to the floor. If it goes well, look. Great. When you're Speaker of the House, you can determine what comes to the floor. Yeah, and that's where she was, and that's what Paul was doing. Other people can't do that. So look. I don't have a lot of money, but my investments are all in mutual funds, so you can't yeah. determine whatever else. I think there is a problem. You've got to build a trust in this institution. And I'm really looking at this. I want to do it on a bipartisan basis. But if anybody's in leadership, they shouldn't be able to be doing options or stocks. You've got to report. Now, I get you got 435 members. They can't change an outcome. But if you're a chairman of a committee, yeah, you might be well, able to change Well, I think you could also still shed light on those who are yeah. not willing to sort yeah. of, you know, be honest about it or, yeah. or be public about yeah. it. There's, there's but, a this, media. but you you want, just as we want to trust our elections, we want to trust our elected officials too. Yeah. And you don't want to put ourselves in the place where we can influence anything like that and be purchasing that. Uh, you could do that another time in another place. What success looks like at the end of two years going into the next election? We secure our border. We start the movement, become energy independent. We start the tra trajectory down from our spending, get us on a path to try to balance. We hold government accountable. We pass a parent's bill of rights. Um, and I think those are things that are very doable to make happen. We just need the American public to join with us. I, you know what, I think they are with you. Uh, I, I think you know we, we gotta get through the noise and we gotta, we gotta show them what, what's up, what we're up against and that's yeah. not an easy thing, but we're off to a great start, man. And anything I can do to help as well. Uh, You've been uh, a big help already. Thank you, my Thanks friend. Thanks so much, guys. Take care. Appreciate it. Okay, guys, I hope you enjoyed that interview. Stick around. I'm going live on Locals right now. We can take your questions. Thank you to GoldCo uh, for sponsoring it. Go check them out, goldco.com forward slash Don Jr. That's D-O-N-J-R. Let them know that you love that they're supporting this kind of content, freedom of speech and everything. But stick around. I'll be on Locals taking your questions live. Let's have some fun with it and look forward to interacting with you guys. That's going to be a great part of this platform. Thanks a lot to Kevin McCarthy, uh, the Speaker of the House. That was absolutely awesome. I thought that was really cool. Hopefully you guys got something out of that. And if you have further questions for him, maybe we'll have to have him back on and we can get into even further detail. But I figured, you know, 90 minutes with, you know, the third most powerful man in the U.S. government, pretty big deal. So that was awesome. Hope you guys liked it. Stick around. Switch over to Locals. We'll be going live now.